Portions of Native Roots Radio may be pre-recorded. It's a good day to be indigenous. Get up, stand up. They are going to become more brutal. Couldn't cut any cut again. Because all the hippies were trying to be Indians anyway. They are going to become more repressive. Because it's a matter of dollars and their illusionary concepts of power. Hey, Victor. We must live in balance with the earth. And also with recent happenings at Wounded Knee. I am awake. Welcome to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Wakanja Hade. Hey, Kudagi, to all my friends and relatives in four directions, you are listening to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Robert Pilot, and we discuss local and national Native news and events, and as you know, Native issues are human issues, and human issues are Native issues. And this portion is brought to you by MN350, a grassroots organization fighting for climate justice. And we got a jam-packed show, and uh, we have Johnny R. uh, of the Indian Way here, and we're going to be speaking on uh, the big comedy show that's coming up on the Twin Cities. And uh, I know Johnny was uh, uh, featured in this uh, national book. We had a little real estate problem. Uh, It's been out for a year. This is a remarkable book. Uh, and it's uh, illuminating and stereotyping, busting history of uh, Native communi- uh, comedians. And so really excited to have have Johnny on a little later. But without further ado, I want to uh, start out the show with the news with Ogama, the news you don't hear anywhere else. Welcome. Bonjour, relatives. This is Ogama Kanuakwe here with you on Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake and I have some news and information for you. I wanted to touch base on the Indian Way comedy tour that's happening right now. Uh, Indian Way comedy, including Johnny R., Trish Cook, and the Res reporter Rob Fairbanks, are going to be live at the legendary Parkway Theater this Saturday, January 28, 2023, starting at 7.30 p.m. Doors open at 6.30. Tickets are $14 in advance and $19 at the door. This is an all-ages show. Make sure you head over to theparkwaytheater.com to get your tickets or Facebook RSVP on the event page at NDNWay Comedy. So exciting. Going to be a great show. Really looking forward to hearing the follow-up from that event. For all you water protectors out there, I do want to remind you that the Tamarack Water Alliance Community Zoom meeting is next Wednesday, February 1st at 10 a.m. Central Time. Everyone is invited to join virtually. It's an opportunity to learn about the risks to the community of the proposed Talon Metals Mine in Aiken County, Minnesota. February's topic is going to be Water is Life, Talon Metals, and the Tamarack North Project. Tom Anderson is going to be presenting you can head on over to TamarackWaterAlliance.org to sign up for the Zoom link. If you believe that nickel sulfide mining is too risky for Aiken County, Tamarack Water Alliance wants uh, you to pick up a yard sign. Um, there is a $6 donation that helps to offset the cost of that, but you can email waters at TamarackWaterAlliance.org to arrange to pick up your sign for that. Just a little bit of background on the Talon Metals and Tamarack North Project. The proposed Talon Metals nickel sulfide mine in Tamarack, Minnesota, is threatening to destroy rural vacation land in Aiken County, which is also home to more than 460 inland lakes, wetlands, and the origin of both the Mississippi and St. Croix River watersheds. However, um, the really big scary thing about this that I want to talk to people about is the Talon Metals water pumping requirements. In their 2021 preliminary economic analysis, Talon Metals said that they uh, estimated how much water they were going to have to pump. And uh, based on that analysis, uh, they're going to be pumping roughly 2.3 or 2.03, excuse me, million gallons per day. Um, during this project. And that is, um, I mean, it's it's an outrageous amount of water. Um, And Talon has not committed to filtering all this water and nor have they uh, disclosed how they might dispose of this quantity of water. Um, And this level of pumping will have significant impacts on aquifer levels in Minnesota. And, um, you know, this is just an ongoing uh, problem here where these companies want to come into Minnesota and uh, they are not uh, taking accountability for the damage that they could do to water and land here. Um, 
So if that's something that concerns you, especially after uh, Line 3 has come through Minnesota and we're still dealing with aquifer breaches from Line 3 and uh, massive amounts of water that were uh, dewatered throughout Minnesota, make sure that you head on over and uh, go to Tamarack Water Alliance org and uh, sign up for that meeting uh, next Wednesday and uh, get involved, get involved to do something, find out how you can help find out uh, more about this project. In the art world, I want to touch base on an artist that has received a wonderful uh, fellowship, uh, artist G. Peter Jemison, who is Heron Clan from the Seneca Nation, was named the recipient of the Johnson Fellowship for the Arts Transforming Communities Fellowship for 2023 for his decades of work in art, film, and writing. Uh, this is a This is a fellowship uh, given by the Americans for the Arts uh, organization, and they recognize artists and culture bearers who work in and with rural communities to advance cultural equity. Really exciting to have uh, artist G. Peter Jemison from the Seneca Nation uh, receiving that and uh, looking forward to finding out more about uh, his work and uh, the energy in that creation. I'm going to jump back to the world of environment for just a minute here. I missed this one just a minute ago, but uh, out of the Alaska Beacon, Jacob Fischler reports that the U.S. House Republicans are uh, possibly making it easier to give public lands away. Uh, what's happening right now is there's a provision, and it's a really technical piece of legislation in a 55-page uh, rules package, but basically uh, it affects internal accounting for the House and requires that any time Congress were to give any federal lands to a state, municipality, or tribe, that it would be counted as a loss to the federal budget. And uh, advocates and critics have uh, things to say about that. Um, they disagree about the wisdom of this. Republicans and conservative groups say that this is uh, preferable because that means that states would be the stewards of most public lands and that those closest to the lands are obviously in a better position to make decisions on how to manage them than those in Washington. However, environmental groups and Democrats say that the federal divestment is a step towards restricting access to places where all Americans should have a claim and that if states cannot afford to protect those public lands, which many can't, it may lead them to sell those lands to private companies. So this is a bit of an ongoing thing. And, uh, you know, I think I might side with the environmental groups on this one. Um, that, you know, when we talk about uh, an accounting dispute when it comes to uh, land and water and protecting those things uh, here in the United States, uh, anytime you get those numbers involved and uh, consider it a loss, it's it's not a good it's not a good plan. So um, we'll maybe follow up on that some more um, as we find out on what is happening with that and um, what's going to what's going to transpire as this continues. One more thing here in the sports world out of AP News, uh, indigenous hockey cards uh, have come out for First Nations players, uh, which is interesting uh, to see them coming out so late. Um, so this month, uh, Upper Deck revealed First Peoples rookie cards, and it features eight indigenous hockey players who did not get the opportunity uh, to have their own official card uh, the first time around. And um, one of the players said, it's kind of like somebody calling you 40 years after your 18th birthday and saying, hey, you're turning 18, um, that it wasn't as exciting as it could have been. Uh, but nevertheless, they were honored. Uh, the eight players who are now getting an officially licensed NHL trading card are uh, Dan Frawley, Jason Simon, Bill LeClain, Ricky Trottier, Victor McCready, Danny Hodgson, Johnny Harms, and Ted Nolan. So exciting in the hockey world uh, for First Nations people who are going to have their own official NHL trading cards. This is News with Ogma on Native Roots Radio, and back to you, Robert. Hey, thanks, Ogma. Hey, up next, Johnny R., and we're going to be talking comedy and the big comedy show coming up. You're listening to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake, and we're really excited. And then later on the show, we got Robert Lilligren of Native American Community Development Institute. Hey, we'll be right back after this short break. Please stay with us. ho COVID-19 is still here. It's not too late to get your booster. Staying up to date with vaccines can help you protect yourself from getting seriously ill from COVID-19. 
Get your booster at the 360 Colburn Clinic, operated by St. Paul Ramsey County Public Health, for a chance to win one of five $500 Visa gift cards. Each week in January, a winner will be selected from eligible persons age 5 and up who got their COVID-19 booster. To learn more and schedule your appointment, visit ramseycounty.us slash booster. J&S Bean Factory is a native-owned, community-supported, cozy, artsy coffee shop which offers roasted on-site beans, live music, and baked goods. Relax in the beautiful outside patio. City Pages writes, voted top 10 coffee shops. Tucked into a quiet corner of St. Paul's Highland Park neighborhood, this coffee shop roasts beans on-site from the best coffee-growing countries in the world. Located at 1518 Randolph Avenue, St. Paul. The good stuff. Take care of your community by joining Metro Transit's Adopt a Stop program. Show your community pride by adopting a transit stop. Join us in helping keep the stop and your neighborhood beautiful and report any maintenance needs to us. We'll put a sign at the stop recognizing your efforts. Plus, you'll get 10 free rides every month. Get details at metrotransit.org slash adopt. Again, adopt a stop for Metro Transit. Hey, Olgama, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved, too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit mn350.org. Hi, this is Representative Sharice Davids from Kansas. I'm Ho-Chunk, and you're listening to Native Roots Radio. And we're back to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake, and this is Robert Pilot. Hey, this portion's brought to you by uh, the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition, and uh, I am really uh, pleased to have Johnny R. here. And, uh, you know, I, I've known peripheral about you, and uh, it was really exciting uh, reading this book that you're in. Uh, we had a little real estate problem, the unheralded story of Native Americans in comedy, and uh, yeah, there you go. You have one, Johnny. Um, so I'm really happy that you're able to come on, and uh, it was really a heart heartwarming story about you and, and your comedy uh your comedy track. So uh, thank you so much for being on. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. honor. Oh, uh, so you're up there in Red Lake, you know, yes. and we have, we have Bob Blake from Red Lake on our show. And I just always love to say that, you know, Bob Blake from Red Lake. I was his uh, football teammate for the Red Lake Warriors in 1992 or 93. So I know oh, Bob Blake. Uh, that's cool. I, I, I'm the same age. Well, I'm a couple years older than his uh, late great brother. And I knew him from, many many years ago and so it's an honor to have bob on and the good work yeah. that he does but uh so johnny uh it says here in the book that you were really uh starting about 2009 and you had uh, a lot of uh uh trepidation to get into it and and then you got into it and you're a comedian and you always will be a comedian and you know you're an overnight success in the last 12 years isn't that how it goes <laughs> Uh, I'm in my 14th year right now, but yeah, it was. Uh, I didn't get started till I was, I think, 33 years old. There was a um, uh, showcase at a local college here for uh, Indigenous people, so I figured it was now or never, and you know, I signed up, did about 10 minutes of uh, pure trash, <laughs> maybe two, I, maybe two or three laughs, and that was enough for me to, you know, it lit that fire in me that I wanted that. Uh, response from crowds and you know, I grew up uh, with a lot of funny guys you know family members just you know they're a lot funnier than I am and I, I don't know how I ended up doing it but uh, you know it was just it's been quite uh, quite the journey so far yeah and uh, Indians are funny uh, well I'm Ho-Chunk we're not funny we're mean we're, we're mean I hear so uh, but uh, <laughs> but uh, natives we have that uh, inside humor and uh a lot of uh, humor comes from pain, and uh, mm -hmm. I think we have more comedians than we uh, around the table each night than we uh, can deal with sometimes. Yeah, that's the thing about you know me growing up. You know that was a probably the most common theme that I saw. You know, 
it seemed like uh, when we were at our most, uh, you know, uh, vulnerable, I suppose, you know, with our feelings and suffering uh, like a, a tragedy or something, we'd all gather and we'd all end up laughing somehow. And it's still like that when I go to funerals. I know uh, there's a couple times where I was asked to speak at funerals and somehow I ended up having the whole place laughing because that's all we really know how to do. It's how we heal. And it's it's just been uh, something that we, we've always done you know from my grandparents you know grandparents before them and it's just uh you know something that we do you know what would you say is your style um you know i'm more of a mean don rickles kind of guy but uh what 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 is your style (laughs) um well i'm kind of uh i come around that area but uh (laughs) you know it's just you know the the brutal honesty you know it's kind of a turnoff to a lot of people the way I speak because the way I was brought up, you know, my grandmother, you know, uh, my great aunts and my aunts and my mom, they're, you know, these bold, um, in your face, uh, uh, you know, our Ojibwe women were very bold and they were, they didn't hold back their feelings or thoughts. And, and I grew up around that. So that's pretty much where, where my, um, my humor comes from, you know, just saying things. There, there are times where, um, a lot of times, uh, my wife tell me, you know, behave yourself. Don't embarrass me. <laughs> Every time we go somewhere, so I, that's, I don't know, I've always been like that, and I, I can't change, and that's just, that's just how I am. So uh, how often do you gig a year? Uh, I, average, maybe, well, I work full-time, and I got a family, so I, I get out maybe two, three times a month. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in the book that, that you read there, that uh, my, my story there are still times where I do go to Minneapolis for open mics or, you know, for um, uh, gigs that don't pay very much. And then I come right back up to Red Lake. So that's a 10 hour drive sometimes, Yeah. you know, round trip, you know, I got to work the next day. So my thing is I get done about 10, 11 o'clock then I come right back to Red Lake and get home about three or four in the morning and then uh, get up at uh, six, you know, get the kids ready. I got to go back to work. And it's just, um, so uh, my wife cut me, made me cut back a little bit if I'm not uh, uh, getting financially rewarded from it. So (laughs) I've been cutting back quite a bit since then, but uh, yeah, it's yeah. Two, three times a month if I'm lucky. And, you know, right now we're, we're getting, you know, getting some traction with our Indian way uh, comedy. So hopefully uh, something takes off, we'll be even more, even more dates available. So. Well, what I, what I've found out here with, uh, (laughs) It's funny, Johnny, when I first started six years on this radio show, no one would come on. And now everybody wants to come on. And I think it's the persistence. Uh, you know, you've been around a long time and people can count on you, you know. And I think that there's something something to that. And not only being funny, but being um, accountable. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, the thing. Yeah. When I first started out, it was, it was so hard to, you know, to find uh, spaces to, to perform. So it took me a little longer in my development to, you know, you know, I've always had uh, these thoughts and ideas and, you know, the almost boldness about the way I grew up, but there was just, I needed to, you know, fine tune that, you know, how to get it all in in an act and, you know, living in Northern Minnesota is very rare that we have those opportunities. So I've had to go down to Minneapolis and sometimes Fargo and, you know, just find whatever I can to, to, uh, to, get better at it you know i'm still learning you know i'm 14 years in and i'm still trying to learn about comedy and you know i don't have all the you know the access to the rooms like everybody else does down in the uh, big city right people working on their craft and throwing away jokes and 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 uh honing in uh it's a very interesting process that i've i've noticed uh so I think I asked you this: Who is uh, like uh, your comedian? Who? What comedian do you really uh, uh, like? And, and and you know, there's a lot about Charlie Charlie Hill in the book, and um, a lot of things that he went through, and uh, and you know, there's people out there that you're still a trail trailblazer though, because you know, even though we have this attraction after Standing Rock that we have. Uh, you know, uh, they're noticing us Indians, whether it's in Rutherford Falls or res- Reservation Dogs nationally. But still, you see the only the, <laughs> I just want to say this, you see the same five or six native actors in both of those shows. And there's many more talented people out in the, out on uh, Turtle Island. 
Yeah, that's uh, that's one of the things. Um, that's been the cool part of this, you know. You know, ever since Standing Rock, you know, myself, we've been doing. You know, um, I've been able to do movies and uh, uh, TV and you know, um, books, and to see other guys that I've worked with, you know, get you know reach that level, you know, because I worked a lot. Um, I started out with um, Tatanka Means and uh, yeah. see like the fourteen ninety ones. I worked with them a couple times, and uh, it just so uh, it blows my mind to see them on TV. You know, get that mainstream uh, fame. You know how, how sought after they are, and it's really really pushing me to to try and get to that level because you know I have a lot of support among the you know all of the guys that I came up with, and you know Tatankis. I was probably one of my one of my best friends in this business and we talk a lot and it just really you know he just tells me to you know keep going at it throw in uh, auditions and you know something will click along along the line so that's that's what, that's what i'll be doing well i think you and i should talk about uh doing a uh and it was in the book so it isn't my idea but you and i should talk about doing in the twin cities a a national comedian contest and get all our uh yeah. natives uh coming into the cities here and really uh have a contest and then also have all all the comedians you know gather together and uh, really help each other out which i think they are and uh, one of the things i got to just tell you real quick too is bobby wilson was a, a student of mine he wasn't in class oh. very often but uh you know <laughs> he, he did hover around harding for a year or so but uh that's another story but he's been on the show a few times and uh he's one that uh, i feel like too that really comes back and supports where he's from because he was not only was he in India Young, he worked at India Young, and uh, that's a, a kind of a, a shelter for young young people. Mm-hmm. So he he brings back uh, stuff, and it, but we should talk about that. And we only got a minute left here, and then I want to really next segment talk to you a little bit about uh, for a few minutes just about the the big show that's coming up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Um, you know, you know Bobby and you know Dallas and all those 1491ers yeah. that are really taking off. And, um, you know, it, there's Trish, too. It, it, funny story, too. It's such a small community here. Trish's yeah. brother I worked with at Harding. He's an art teacher for many, many, many years. So it's mm-hmm. a small, a small Ooh, world. Wow. We have an Indian country. <laughs> well, hey, why don't we take a break and then come back and talk a little bit about the show, huh? What do you okay. think? All right. We'll be right back after this short break. You're listening to Native Roots Radio. We'll have uh, Johnny Aron. And then uh, after Johnny, we got Robert Lilligren in the bullpen. We'll be right back after this short break. Please stay with us. Get vaccinated while discovering the inspiring work of Native American STEM professionals. The Department of Indian Work St. Paul will host a COVID vaccine clinic on Saturday, January 28th at the Science Museum of Minnesota's Native American STEM Day. Get your shot while enjoying a live DJ, activities, STEM student-led panels, galleries, and exhibitors. Plus, get $50 of gift card incentives when you get vaccinated. So let's get vaccinated and celebrate Native Americans in STEM on Saturday, January 28th from 11 to 4 at the Science Museum of Minnesota. Admission is free. J&S Bean Factory is a native-owned, community-supported, cozy, artsy coffee shop which offers roasted on-site beans, live music, and baked goods. Relax in the beautiful outside patio. City Pages writes, voted top 10 coffee shops. Tucked into a quiet corner of St. Paul's Highland Park neighborhood, this coffee shop roasts beans on-site from the best coffee-growing countries in the world. Located at 1518 Randolph Avenue, St. Paul. The good stuff. Hello, Minneapolis. It's Randy Rhodes on your radio in the heart of the Midwest every weeknight from 10 to midnight on AM 950. Hi, everybody. This is Paul Metza, host of the Wall of Power Radio Hour, going on its eighth anniversary this year on AM 950. I want to tell you that I've got a great book out called Alphabet Jazz, Poetry, Prose, Stories, and Songs. It's writings I've done over the last 40 years. It's available on Amazon, or if you want to shop locally, go to the Electric Fetus, Crumpy's Bar Northeast, or High Fine Hair in Loring Park. I think you're going to enjoy it. Thanks so much. 
Eat Local Minnesota is a great way to find locally owned Minnesota restaurants and food purveyors. You'll find high quality food and unique eating experiences with dishes from around the world. Just visit eatlocalminnesota.com for your next meal. Come visit the award-winning Hazel's Northeast in Minneapolis for breakfast, lunch, dinner, or weekend brunch. For breakfast, try the slow-cooked brisket hash, hippie cakes, and meat waffle. While for lunch, enjoy favorites like the buttermilk fried chicken sandwich or veggie burger. Hazel's is open Tuesdays through Saturdays, 8 to 8, with a Sunday brunch from 8 to 2. Located off 29th and Johnson in Northeast Minneapolis. More at hazelsne2go.com. If you're craving barbecue, then don't drive too fast or you will miss Scott Jamama's Hot Barbecue, located at 3 West Diamond Lake Road in Minneapolis. Scott Jamama's offers mouth-watering baby back ribs, grilled chicken, and half-pound pulled pork sandwiches. The potato salad, spicy baked beans, and twice-baked potatoes should not be missed. More details at scottjamamas.com. On the show, This Queer Book Saved My Life, we talk with LGBTQ guests about the queer books that saved their lives. On our next episode, we chat with lawyer and author Zaylor Stout about the book Don't Sweat the Small Stuff by Richard Carlson. We'll get into Zaylor's legal career, his coming out journey, and writing his own book, Our Gay History in 50 States. Listen to This Queer Book Save My Life every Saturday morning at 7 a.m. right here on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. The appliance industry is suffering from major delays with shortages on the horizon. The specialists at Warner Stelling have the area's best selection with thousands of appliances in stock for fast pickup or free delivery. Shop 10 Minnesota stores or at warnerstellion.com. The new year is here and it's time to take advantage of Zero Res's best deal of the year. Carpets, tile, rugs, upholstery, basically every surface in your home can be Zero Resified. So it's time to call the cleaning pros at Zero Res. And don't forget your air ducts to help alleviate allergies or asthma. And it's also important to enjoy less dust, lower energy bills, and your home will stay cleaner longer. Zero Res is here to protect your biggest investment, your home. Why pay someone to clean your carpet if they're going to leave things behind that are going to make it dirty again quickly? Zero Res is the longest lasting and best clean. Schedule your appointment at ZeroResMinnesota.com or call 952-ZERO-RES and don't forget to ask for the AM 950 special. Book now through January 31st and get 23% off all services. Call 952-ZERO-RES or go to ZeroResMinnesota.com today to book your appointment. With your AM 950 weather, I'm Brett Johnson. Look for some light snow tonight with a temp rising to about 22, Friday cloudy with a high near 25, and Saturday cloudy with a high around 9. Hazel's Northeast has some of the most creatively prepared comfort food you'll find for any meal of the day. Favorites include the drunken banana French toast, buttermilk fried chicken sandwich, and Swedish meatballs. Open Tuesdays through Saturdays from 8 to 8 with a Sunday brunch from 8 until 2. Located off 29th and Johnson, more at hazelsnetogo.com. Welcome back to Native Ritz Radio Presents. I'm awake and this is Robert Pilot. Hey everyone, this portion of the show is brought to you by Minsure. If you're looking for health insurance that you can afford, head on over to mnsure.org. That's mnsure.org. Hey, Pina Gigi Ogama. Hey, uh, we're here with Johnny Iron up next to Robert Lilligren. Johnny, I just want to uh, just uh, talk a little bit here before we let you go about the big show coming up and uh, let everybody know uh, where, who, what, where, when, and how. Oh, I got you muted. Hold on a second oh. here. No, go ahead, Johnny. You're up. Okay. <laughs> yep. All right. Yeah, it'll be my myself, uh, Trish Cook, fellow Red Laker, and uh, Leech Laker. Uh, the res reporter Rob Fairbanks will be live at the uh, historic. Um, uh, <laughs> I drew a blank. What is it called? The Parkway Theater. That's Parkway Theater. Parkway Theater. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's kind of a special thing because all three of us were actually born in Southside Minneapolis. Uh, I grew up there in the first three four years of life and trish and rob their uh their youth there so it's kind of a, a important day for us we're all coming back and you know we're gonna res it up so that that's pretty exciting for us um you know we've been doing this for uh i actually started with uh indian way uh 
Indian Way podcast, which I have right here. I have my own podcast. It's on, uh, you know, iTunes and Spotify. And I figured, you know, uh, when I actually tried the book, uh, it took me 10 years to to get in a club down in the cities to have my own show. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mike Brody, he's, he's the one that booked us at the House of Comedy. And he's, well, you need a, you have a name for your, uh, you know, your show? Like, well, I got a podcast called Indian Way with Johnny Arnie. So, yeah, you can use that. You use Indian Way. So we, we ran with that. I think our first one was in June of 2020. And, you know, middle of a, right at the beginning of the pandemic and there was like maybe 11 people there and it wasn't really uh it was a tricky time because you know we we're all still wearing masks and <laughs> they're wiping wiping down mics every, after every time uh, somebody was done and it was really a, a sketchy time to try and do comedy but you know they they called us back and you know i invited trish to to the next one and rob was still down so we just went with this group and you know all Ojibwe, I don't think an, an All Ojibwe lineup has ever uh, uh, headlined the House of Comedy and also um, uh, what we're doing this weekend. You know, we've been able to make it to uh, Fargo, North Dakota, uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and Boston's Comedy Club. And, you know, we're just trying to um, uh, spread some Ojibwe joy. So that's yeah. pretty much what we're doing. You know, we've all, we all get along good together. And that's the thing I wanted to talk about, you know, the Indigenous comedians. You know, everyone that I've ever worked with is nothing but you know, pure professional, you keep it on a professional level, uh, friendship, friendships grow from that, and we're all just like a pretty, you know, big family, you know, you read about uh, mainstream comedians that are, you know, difficult to work with, and, but, you know, this is just all of us coming together, and, you know, I actually had a, um, a post yesterday, right up to today, about, uh, you know, my five favorite Indigenous comedians, and I, I never really thought of that before, but I went ahead and did it anyway, so I'm, probably going to be in trouble for ranking all that. <laughs> yeah exactly well hey give us a sneak peek of that uh, ranking before we let you go okay number five i had uh von eagleberg you know i love the guy you know he's probably one of the smartest men i've ever been around and you know i, I really i pre- he was one of the um when i first started out i i did a show with him and he gave gave us like the best advice you know it was in red lake at the time and he said you know you're here you know these are your people they want to hear you you know, they want to see you succeed, so there should be no pressure. And that really just, you know, took all the pressure off off of us doing that show in Red Lake. And uh, number four, I couldn't really break them all down, but the Forty Nine Laughs comedy, you know, Tatanka Means, Ernie Sosi, uh, James June, and uh, Adrian Chelapa, Pax Harvey, you know, all strictly, you know, professional. Uh, get along good with them, so I put them all in as number four. And the number three was uh, J.R. Redwater. You know, one of the one of the probably one of the best comedians out there right now. But mm. uh, number two, Mark Yaffe, another straight professional. He's on the road constantly and, you know, trailblazing for the rest of us, you know, making a, a name for the indigenous comedy out there. And then number one, I had to give it to uh, old school Larry Omaha. You know, I, I got to work with him, sat with him and visited him for a while. And I was just like, I was just blown away. He had so many stories with Charlie Hill, you know, all the, Eddie Murphy and all those guys in Hollywood. Now that just, I was just impressed by him, and so that's why he gets number one because he's he's our, our king right now. You know, after Charlie Hill passed away, yeah. so yeah. Well, Johnny R, thanks for stopping in. Uh, I'm I'm gonna get one of those Indian Way shirts that you got hanging up back there when I come down there. That's yeah, some I'll good. Yeah, because I'm cool swag. Appreciate it. We're gonna see you at the Parkway this uh, Saturday. And uh, we'll see you. And thanks again for stopping in. Thanks for having me. It was an honor. Oh, wow. All right. Have a great day. You too. Wow, that's cool. We got uh, Robert Lilligren uh, coming on right now here. And uh, Ogamai, yeah, there you go. Um, That was a fun interview. Welcome, uh, Robert. And you are uh, muted, I can see here. Oh, wow. Yeah, there bonjour, Ogamon, bonjour, Robert. Great to be here. It was a great interview to listen to. Oh, it's just, uh, you know, we, we should try and get a comedy. You know, I'd read this book, and uh, Johnny, Johnny R. was uh, able to get me in touch with the author, and he was in the book, and uh, it was awesome. And uh, we should try and get some kind of comedy contest, your native comedy contest going on. And that's not my idea. It's been done before in the book, and it sounds really really fun and exciting to uh to have something like that here in the twin cities and that would be fun that does yeah it sounds cool especially you know native humor it's great humor and uh and i so respect people who can be funny 
you know, intentionally. I, when I try to be funny, I'm not. And then, you know, sometimes I'll be speaking to a group and everyone bursts out laughing. Hey, what, did I, what did I just say? So right. I really respect the art of people who can, who can be funny on demand. Yeah, well, you know, that's a good segue. Robert Lilligren, uh, Native Community Development Institute, among a lot of other things here in the Twin Cities of Minnesota. Um, speaking of comedy now, uh, since we last spoke, we got uh, Professor Pence here uh, with some documents at his house now, <laughs> Vice President. Oh, <laughs> it's, right. The beats yeah. go on and on. That whole thing is so intriguing. You know, it was, wasn't a surprise when they found all that at Trump's. You know, I think, I don't know, let many of us think he may have been passing information on and things. So then when the Biden thing happened, I thought, well, what is this? I thought maybe there was some strategy there or something. But now with Pence, it just makes me wonder how leaky the whole federal government is. You know, a leaky vessel. And I've been reading a little about it. And some of it may have to do with the classification of documents, how they're classified and things. But, but still, it sounds kind of messy. Yeah. You know, and the, one of the things the Republicans like to bring up is, like, how come they aren't uh, uh, raiding Obama's house? And I never even thought of that. It, it, the last president before the last president. I wonder if he's got any documents. Well, it makes you wonder, doesn't it? It doesn't it. And uh, I'm guessing you probably saw the meme on social media and everything that had the panel of Fox News presenters all wearing neck braces because they had to do such a quick sort of double take after they were dumping all over Biden. And then when Pence's classified documents got discovered and reported on, <laughs> pretty good humor. Well, here's another national question I have for you, too. Um, Omar, they're trying to get rid of Omar, but I don't think they have the votes uh, in that committee. It looks like it looks like they don't, and you know, fingers crossed. And uh, Ilhan Omar is my congressperson. I'm a huge supporter. I think she's an important voice and presence in 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 Congress. She's great to the local Native community. She has brought considerable resources here. She's very present in the community, uh, even when she's not speaking. She just shows up at community events. Right. So. So uh, she's a big supporter of us. I'm a big supporter of hers. And it looks like there isn't going to be, fingers crossed, the votes. And you know, I was talking the last couple of weeks about trying to see where this kind of center bipartisan majority that can actually govern might be emerging. And, you know, I suspect we'll see something around the um, debt ceiling limit. But here's a little precursor, I think, to that. And you know, there isn't an equivalency, you know, between Congresswoman Omar and people like Congresswoman Taylor Green, and you know the threats they made, the threats of violence that prompted them to get removed from committees. They just don't like, you know, who she is, what she represents, and so you know, hopefully, cooler heads will prevail. Yeah, I think so, and I think you're right. It's a precursor because. Uh... You know, how ridiculous is that? And how ridiculous, what did this, the Speaker of the House uh, have to sell his soul? I mean, you got, you got people that are in committees that uh, should be, uh, you, know, um, you know, investigating themselves. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, yeah, that oversight committee is pretty scary, the membership there. And I suspect that there's going to be these little, you know, landmines exploding throughout, you know, representing the deal that uh, that the speaker made, McCarthy made, to, to get the vote. And and I don't think that's really serving the American people very well. I don't think it's serving the American Republic very well either. So, but there's more of these for sure. And I was pretty impressed with um, the Senate minority leader sending, uh, sending the issue over to the speaker. It's like, okay, the debt ceiling. Today. Yeah, you figure it out, you know, and uh, and I think that was smart strategy, and I think that McCarthy will find out in short order that that he's going to have to compromise and bend. Well, I keep on hearing over and over again, and not from the mainstream media, but from people uh, probably on AM nine fifty and uh, experts over uh, during the day that. These these debts are caused by Republicans. Whenever they're in power, they go in deep in debt, and we know that with Trump, that we were so deep in debt, and he was spending like sailor, and then lifting taxes and taxing the poor, and you know Robin Hood, and you know all this stuff. And but it, you know even all the way back to Reagan, you know just spending right. like drunken sailors, and then the Democrats have That's to. A 
Yeah, that's just a fact that Republican administrations drive up the debt and Democratic administrations pay pay it down or at least get it under control, right? And and it's kind of a false indicator anyway. The debt ceiling is kind of a fabricated limit and it gives this um, outsized leverage uh, every time that it needs to be addressed and needs to be raised. And it's not just about the U.S., right? The entire world economy hinges on the success of the U.S. economy. So these guys are playing chicken with uh, the world economy right and i suspect some of them would be willing to crash the world economy to prove their point or to get their way exactly and we'll see how far that goes for 2024 hey robert can you hold on for another segment yeah happy to thanks right on hey you're listening to native roots radio presents i'm awake and i'm here with ogama and robert lilligren and we're talking a little politics please stay with us we'll be right back after this short break ho Hey, Olgama, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved, too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit mn350.org. Getting vaccinated doesn't have to be boring. The Department of Indian Work St. Paul is having a COVID-19 community vaccine event on Friday, January 27th that will feature music, crafts, art vendors, and more. Not only will you get to enjoy some great art, but you'll also receive $50 of gift card incentives when you get your shot. So protect yourself from COVID while having some fun enjoying Minnesota's vibrant indigenous art scene. Again, that's Friday, January 27th from 3 until 7 at the Indigenous Roots Cultural Center in St. Paul. Minnesota has the only original wolf population in the continental United States, and 80% of Minnesotans believe the wolf should be protected. Howling for Wolves is asking Minnesotans to respect our true wildlife manager, the wolf. Their survival is critical to our ecosystems, our communities, and even our economy. As highly intelligent animals with strong social bonds, Minnesota wolves deserve to be protected and admired. Learn more at howlingforwolves.org. Let's live and let howl. Take care of your community by joining Metro Transit's Adopt a Stop program. Show your community pride by adopting a transit stop. Join us in helping keep the stop and your neighborhood beautiful and report any maintenance needs to us. We'll put a sign at the stop recognizing your efforts. Plus, you'll get 10 free rides every month. Get details at metrotransit.org slash adopt. Again, adopt a stop for Metro Transit. This portion of the show is supported by Howling for Wolves. Please join Howling for Wolves on Wolf Day, Tuesday, February 7th, 2023 at the Minnesota State Capitol. You can sign up on Howling for Wolves event page. Howling for Wolves, protecting wolves for future generations. Welcome back to Native Ritz Radio Presents. I'm awake and this is Robert Pilot. Hey, one more time, everybody. This portion of the show is brought to you by Howling for Wolves, protecting wolves for future generations. Hey, we always do it twice because we love uh, to see our guest uh, howl, I guess, right? Uh, They're (laughs) Ogama. Absolutely. It's great when the guests join in and howl with us right away. And, you know, just to... To reiterate to February 7th, you can sign up to join Wolf Day at the Minnesota State Capitol in person or virtually. You can register at bit.ly slash Wolf Day 2023. Yeah, Wendy signed up and I'm going to sign up and get myself a t-shirt and try and get down there. Uh, and it's always fun, uh, Robert. We're here with Robert Lilligren, uh, CEO of Native yeah. American Community Development Institute. Uh, and we always love to to bring up the fact that our lieutenant governor is a wolf clan. So when we uh, howl for the wolves, we're howling for her relatives. Yeah, yeah, great. Yeah, I was able to see Lieutenant Governor Flanagan, my wider sister, to, uh, this week at the Minneapolis American Indian Center. There was a beautiful ceremony, a ground blessing ceremony as part of the renovation there. And the lieutenant governor was one of the speakers. Yeah, that's awesome. 
Uh, sorry, I yeah. missed that. But you know, I don't, I don't get all the emails. It's, uh, I, I'm not on the email. Oh, list. <laughs> I think it was a very exclusive group. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good one. Uh, good one. Peggy was there, and Mary Lagarde, the fantastic director of the Indian Center, that's been shepherding through this uh, major rebuild and renovation. I mean, she's just done amazing work. And she reminded the group, and Peggy, the Santa Miller Flanagan, reminded the group that is where she and Governor Waltz kicked off their first yeah. campaign. And I remember you were there, and uh, they came out into the community, to the Minneapolis American Indian Center, and that's where it all started. Yeah, and uh, that's a great memory. Uh, also, you know, the the governor really responded and respected who her lieutenant governor is, and it's really funny, like... Uh, there's very few lieutenant governors that I can even remember uh, before Peggy, and and I really mean right. that honestly. That this has been a great partnership with the governor and lieutenant governor, and they go to a lot of things together, and they both speak. and uh, And I also like the story that was told, and she used to tell it a lot in the beginning of the first campaign. Is that she in the Wellstone? Um, uh, I don't remember what it was exactly called. You can help. Wellstone Action. Wellstone Action. That she was his uh, instructor. Yep. Yep. Peggy used to teach there. She pioneered or engineered the first uh, Indigenous candidate training curriculum, but she also trained candidates. And uh, when I served on the Minneapolis City Council one term, we had at least two of her former students that were actually in the same class as now Governor Tim Waltz. You know, he was preparing to run for Congress then. So she she not only does the governance, she, you know, shares what she knows and brings others along. I think that's important, important aspect of her as a person, her as a politician, her as a native, high profile native. Yeah, and I think we're getting another update from her uh, this weekend, uh, play next week. So we're excited uh, with the partnership Great. and to amplify uh our lieutenant governor's voice all over Turtle Island, as you know, we're all over right. civic media, and uh, you know, we're, we just think of uh, big things are coming for this young lady, and uh, she's been doing a great oh, job. Yeah. Well, and I'll tell you, Robert, your observation about you know how they they move in tandem, they almost co-govern, right? And and now Senator Tina Smith, when she was lieutenant governor to Governor Dayton, she really elevated the lieutenant governor position, but Peggy has just used that as a foundation together with governor waltz they've they've really done it and and that doesn't always happen you know they they sort of started that way but you could you know it could be easy for a governor to kind of move off on his own but they have stayed very close together i think that's smart for minnesota for governing here and smart politics and even with the budget now it's all about the budget right and yeah. the governor's proposals are coming out he said maybe what two or three in the last days and now to go to the legislature we of course have totally democratically controlled state government which is great and uh and it's always the waltz flanagan budget yeah. put it right out there and you know that's that's not required that's because they're being very smart about how to govern here right exactly and uh we appreciate that for sure because oh, uh yeah. you know i can't you know, when, especially when I was teaching, I always told the lieutenant governor this, too, is like, thank you for doing this because you look like my students and and that's uh, uh, my native students. And that's uh, huge because we didn't have that when we were young. You know, all my so native you know. friends I thought weren't native, you know, <laughs> it's, it's a back. Right. Yep, yep. And you've told yeah, that story before, day. too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we didn't. I didn't know any of my classmates that were native until 1978, and all of a sudden there was all this action around recognizing and honoring the native graduates. And I learned that 12 of my graduating class that I never knew were native were native. We were all invited to a luncheon, and it's like, oh, you're Indian. And you know, with me, it's not that hard to miss the fact. But with a lot of folks, who were so obviously native, but they right. never self-identified. We'd never identified to each other because there was no, we didn't view there as being any benefit to it, right? It was more of a liability. It's um, funny. I was feuding with a few of them, and they ended up being Ho-Chunk and Winnebago. Uh, <laughs> it was like crazy. Seriously. Yeah. It's like, what? Yeah, no, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. <laughs> well, you hear about those Ho-Chunks. They're pretty mean people, you know, but they keep that under, <laughs> right. under your hat. That's not Jeez. the part that doesn't surprise me. It's that internalized sort of colonization <laughs> Yeah, mentality. Yeah, we're we're I mean, we do the colonizers' work for them, you know. So 
Hey, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's we just had uh, Bob Rice on uh, all, um, uh, powwow grounds, and um, that was that was fun. And uh, we got to have a show coming up here soon. I was at the powwow grounds, and I see that it's uh, in transition right now. All my relations gallery. What's happening? Do you know what's coming up? Uh, you know, there is. I was just meeting this uh, afternoon with Angela Two Stars, the brilliant artist and the director of All My Relations Arts. She works for NACD. All My Relations Arts is a project of NACD's. And she deliberately left the gallery dark in January. And this first, she normally has had, uh, programs four shows in a year. And she left January dark to give, give her time to move her planning, to build more partnerships. And I think that was a really smart idea. And so she was sketching out the year, actually the next two years. And she is, you know, so brilliant. She she first came to All My Relations Arts as a guest curator for the show that she named Bring Her Home, Stolen Daughters of Turtle Island. And now that has become an annual um, uh, exhibit. And she's talking now about, it's, um, it's almost always predominantly Native women artists, occasional uh male artist as well but now she's thinking of presenting this issue from a man's perspective and really wow. shifting that which i think will be very intriguing uh she's talking about doing all my relations arts first ever youth native artist show to get and she talks about how seeing her art presented in a gallery really helped pave her pathway to becoming a professional artist so she wants to yeah. get other young native artists uh that opportunity we're going to have a traveling show we're going to uh, have an exchange sort of show with uh, the gallery in Thunder Bay wow. uh, this year. So yeah, That's lots awesome. of good stuff. And then of course, all that ancillary stuff, the community arts programming and uh, introducing arts into our Four Sisters Farmers Market or Four Sisters Farm and just really integrating all of our programs. That's exciting. And I know uh, we plan on being on the at the next opening live. Uh, so that's going to be fun. I Just, love it. Yeah, your name came up several times in conversation today. We're gonna have we're gonna have lots for you to do at Nacti in the upcoming yeah. season. We'll, <laughs> we'll get have to get Ogama and her daughter to come down. Oh, oh, that would be great. Anytime, Ogama. Let me know, and we can maybe help with arrangements or something. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I'll have to uh, put it in. Put a little bug in her ear about it. <laughs> I love it. Hey, we only got like 30 seconds left, Robert. Thank you so much. Uh, and, you know, thanks for being flexible because I thought today was Wednesday. And I and, and I, I, correct, I corrected Ogama today. She says it's Thursday. I said, it's not Thursday. It's Wednesday. And I've been to a, a bunch of meetings and today and it was it was Wednesday in my mind, but it was Thursday. But, wow, thanks again for being flexible. Hey, see everybody tomorrow. We're still here. We are the seventh generation free Leonard Peltier now.